Uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our time together. Uh, thank you for bringing us here, Lord. And uh, may we not take for granted that we can come together in person to worship you, Lord. To set this time aside to give you praise. Whether we're in person, whether we're at home watching or away watching or we're listening at a future date, Lord, we thank you that we can come and worship you and that you want to speak to us, Lord. We pray that you would protect this time as we're continually monitoring what's going on around us and the virus is still going on. And Lord, we pray for your protection over us and our congregation, our health, Lord. We pray that the momentum will switch back over. But Lord, we pray that in this time, we can set this time for you to hear your word, your spirit to speak to us, Lord, as a church and in our personal lives. We give this time to you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you in your name. Amen. So a while ago, as, as you guys remember, I mentioned that uh, I enjoy jigsaw puzzles. I don't know if that's a nerdy thing for you, uh, but uh, it's one of those things I enjoy because it's therapeutic for me, but it's also a challenge for me. And it's a challenge because I don't look at the picture, right? I see the box, but I don't look at it as a guide. I don't look at any kind of hints. I just put it aside, and I just want to do it myself, kind of scramble it. And, um, and I mentioned to you guys before, my family's not allowed to help me. I get nervous when they stand near the puzzle and stare at it for very, very long. I don't want to know that they see a piece that they can fit. Don't tell me, right? I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want any help, right? That's the kind of mentality I have. I'm very competitive with myself, so I like challenges. So Jamie uh, recently got me a couple of puzzles, and uh, she wasn't too happy that I finished it within days. So she's like, man, all right, I'm going to get you a more difficult puzzle, and so she got me a puzzle, and she had this kind of gleam in her eye, kind of one of those, like, I'm gonna get, I got a good one for you. And she read me some of the reviews of people who bought this puzzle. One of the reviews said, great challenge, stole my will to live. So I'm like, great. So this was a puzzle that, oh, where, I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's not in the worship songs, if you can get to it. There it is. All right. Yes, this is a puzzle of just black lines randomly going across the thing. This was the most challenging puzzle I think I've ever done. It took me the longest, certainly. It took me about, I don't know, a little more than a month. You know, I'm, I'd work on it here and there. But it was just black lines going across and I have to admit, I was tempted many times to look at the picture, but I refused to do it. But I finished that thing. But if you can look carefully, by the time I was at the end of this puzzle, I was a little bit unnerved. Because as I was finishing and I was looking at it suspiciously, I realized there's going to be a, puzzle, a piece missing. And sure enough, I finished that thing and there was one piece missing. I looked all over for it. The piece wasn't there. I emailed the company and said, hey, 
I finished this thing. I attached the picture. The piece was missing. They haven't gotten back to me yet, but... Um, I completed that thing, but there was a small sense feeling of incomplete, right? In my head, I'm trying to fool myself to say, I finished that thing. But in my mind, back of my mind, I realized there's something missing there. It's not fully complete. But I, I broke it up. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Crushed it up, put it back in the box. I'm not doing it again. Even if they send me a new puzzle, which is they say they're supposed to do, I'm not going to do it again. But it left me feeling a little bit incomplete. Uh, I, I mentioned a while back, as we've been looking at Romans 12, we looked at many different metaphors for the body of Christ. And I mentioned how we're like a puzzle. Archer is like a giant puzzle. And hopefully we're a little bit more complex, a little more beautiful, a little more intricate than this puzzle. We're not just a bunch of lines crisscrossing. Hopefully we're a little bit more like those photo mosaic puzzles. Have you ever seen those? I mentioned that before. Where each puzzle piece is a little picture, a little scene. And put it together, they make up a bigger picture. I think we resemble more of that. Each, each of us is a puzzle piece. We represent a life. We represent these scenes in our life. But we put it together, we can make a bigger picture. So back in April when we started this series, I mentioned that we want to lay down a foundation. A foundation of principles of who we want to be as a church going forward. And not just as a church, but challenge us individually in our own lives. What are some foundational principles that we're going to hold on to in our own life as believers in Christ? And if you remember, I challenged us a long time ago when we started that everyone who walks in these doors, who makes it, or has an encounter with us as a church, they're going to ask themselves, whether they realize it or not, what is this church all about? What is Generations Church all about? Let me check out this church. And I mentioned not only as a church, but in your life, if you meet anybody with, that spends any significant time with you, they're going to want to know, who are you all about? What kind of person are you? What's important to you? What motivates you? What are you like? So we'll all face these questions, whether we realize it, whether we like it or not. So I mentioned as we look at Romans 12, there's five principles that we're going to look at. And Henry mentioned in the beginning of worship, right? The first one was worship God. We're going to be worshipers of God. The second one, we're going to be rooted in the word. We're going to have edifying fellowship among us. We're going to have faithful service. And then we're going to be a shining witness. So we've been spending some months with this. And I want to, today, I'm going to wrap up the series. We're going to be moving on to Philippians next week. But I want us to kind of have an overall summarization of the series. We're not going to go over at length the whole passage. If you want to review and a more extensive look at each of, this, each of the points in the passage, you can go back. We have a, the sermons on YouTube and on our Facebook page. We have it in podcast form. How did you know we had a podcast? How many of you know what a podcast is? 
All right, well, there's a problem. Only half of the, maybe a third of the people raise their hands, right? If you don't know what a podcast is, ask someone who does. But there's many different ways and avenues we can go back. And not just whether my message, Pastor Andy's message, a guest speaker comes, but we can refer back to it. So if you forgot or you weren't here, you can always refer back to them. So we're not going to go over it extensively, but going to kind of summarize what we've been looking at, looking at the whole chapter. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Hopefully you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, you have your phones, you can turn it to your Bible app if you have that. If you have neither, I will have it up in the screens. And we're going to see in verse 1 and 2, Paul hits, I think, the most important points that we can take away. Worship God and be rooted in the Word. So verse 1. Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we'll stop right there for a second. When Paul says, therefore... What does he mean by saying, therefore? He means everything that he mentioned prior to all the previous chapters, what he spoke on, he says, now, therefore, so now, in response to all that I've shared with you, this is how you ought to respond. He sets that stage. He sets the stage for the rest of the chapter and the rest of the book. Therefore, this is how you ought to respond. He says, look, in light of what God has done for us, What Christ has done for us, him saving us from our sin. We were guilty of our sin. And Christ was a sacrifice for our sin. He paid the price for us. He rose from the dead to give us new life. He was that sacrifice, that atoning sacrifice for us so that we can have new life. We can have the hope of salvation. We can spend the rest of eternity with the Lord and not face judgment. In light of all that, therefore, this is how you are to respond. We kind of take it for granted. I'm sure many of you have heard that message many times, that we don't have to offer up sacrifices to atone for our sins anymore. Have you ever done something so wrong to somebody? You felt so bad that you offended somebody or you hurt somebody that there was no amount of apologies. You could say sorry, I'm sorry, and you felt bad still. Have you been in that situation before? You felt so bad, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Sometimes we can feel that way with God. We feel so bad about all the things we've done, but God said, look, no amount of stars that you can say, no amount of things that you can do to try to make up for it, it's not going to do it. I've already done it for you. I've already done it for you. See, the problem is a lot of people try to insist on doing things their way, right? I'm going to atone. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to live my life. I think I can live myself, my life. I can prove myself to be good enough for God. Or I think I have the better purpose in my life than what God has for me. I can deal with my own problems. You see, God says, look, I want to relieve you of that burden. All of us adults here, maybe we spend most of our lives trying to do those very things. 
trying to prove our worth, trying to prove our worth to other people, trying to atone for our past. We're convinced that we know what to do. For you who are younger, you're coming up, you're growing up. You may have that mindset of think that you are in control of your future. You can do your own thing. God, I can put you aside for a later date. I don't have to worry about you until I become a parent or I become older. I'm going to do my own thing. That's going to come with burdens that you don't want to have. Right? So God says, look, let me do that for you. And that's what Jesus did for us. He took that sacrifice. He took that penalty so that we don't have to do it ourselves. So Paul's exhorting us. He says, look, in response to his Offer yourself up as a living sacrifice to God. In other words, how you live your life, everything about you, offer it up to God. How you live is an offering to God. It's an act of worship to God. And a lot of people look at that and they think about that and say, man, you know what? That's too price of a, a, a steep, too, a price too steep to pay. I don't know if I'm willing to offer God my whole life. All right? A lot of people are scared about that. They're worried about that. Little do they know they do it every single day. Every single day, we surrender our thoughts, our life, our motivation, all those things to someone or something. We give access to some influence in our life that governs, directs us, leads us how to think, how we ought to feel, what we ought to believe. Everyone does it every single day. The question is, to whom do you surrender that access to? Right? People are fooled to think that they're independent. Well, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need God. I'm going to do it myself. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as someone being fully independent. Why? Because they've either given into their mindsets of the world, Right? We all follow patterns of someone or something. They're in pursuit of promises that are empty. They're journeying to dead ends. They search for satisfaction that's at best temporary. They seek approval from others at the expense of rejecting God. See, we all do it on a daily basis. We're all influenced by someone or something. The question is, are we willing to give it to God and let our minds be transformed by His Word, by His Spirit? Let God affect our thinking. Let God affect how we see the world we're living in, how we see each other, how we understand God. Or are we going to accept the ways of the world and let the world affect how we see ourselves, how we, affect, how we see our lives? How many of you have ever been lied to? How many of you have ever been lied to and then you didn't know you were being lied to later on? That doesn't feel good, right? You believed whatever someone said and then later you found out, wait, that was a lie? That's not true? How many of you took a long time to recover from the lies that you were told? And you struggled, wrestled with it, wondering, was it really true? With what they told and said about me, was it really true? 
How many of you were lied to, you knew you were being lied to, but you wanted to believe it anyways? Because that's what you wanted to think. See, lies has a lingering effect, doesn't it? Sometimes when we can identify something as a lie, the effect is still there. How many of you do dishes? Do you all do dishes? Your parents make you do dishes? Have you ever encountered the dish? Have you ever like not washed a bowl of cereal right away? And then the next day or later on the day, what happens? Depending on what cereal you have. Have you ever like scrubbed? You are scrubbing it and scrubbing it. It took so long to get it off. Lies can have that effect on us. It takes a while for us to scrub off the lies in our mind and our hearts. Sometimes in containers that we have like curry or pasta that has a staining effect, you can wash it, but what remains? There's a color to it. Lies sometimes have that effect on us. We can wash it off. We cannot believe it, but there's still a lingering effect there. That's why Paul's saying, look, be transformed by the renewing of your mind because the more we entertain the lies, the more it lingers and it affects. So God's word, we need to be devoted to God's word. We need to marinate our minds and our thoughts to God's word because it takes a while for us to let truth set in and to let out all those lies that we hear, right? Paul goes on and say, you're living, having a living sacrifice. And, you know, we, we kind of like, what does that look like? What does it look like to live as a living sacrifice to God? And we started looking at an edifying fellowship, faithful service, and our shining witness. Verse 3, Paul goes on, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Our relationship with God directly affects our relationship with each other. And God has given us a measurement of faith. And that affects how we relate to each other. You think about it, our relationship with God affects how we relate to each other. John says in 1 John 4, 8, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let that sink in a little bit. Think about that for a second. The one who doesn't know God, or the one who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. How you treat others, how you love others, is a measurement of how much you truly understand God's love. Because if you truly understood it, it would affect how you love others. That's the radical transformation that God wants to have in our minds, in our thoughts, that how we treat others matters. It's a reflection of our relationship with God. Paul goes on, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. Sorry, there you go. Oh, it's not there yet. I don't know what's going on. I'll let them handle that. And into members of one another. Verse 6, And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. 
talking about how God gives each of us a measure of faith, and we are to serve according to that measurement of faith. What God has given you, have faith that he can do something in you. And he's not going to leave you powerless, right? He's not going to leave you left wondering, well, how do I do it? I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm able. I'm not trained, whatever it may be. He says, look, I will empower you. I will give you gifts. I will give you, I will work through you. He goes on in verse 7, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another, in brotherly love give preference to one another, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. If you're wondering if you have a place in the church, if God can use you in, look, there's plenty of things that God can work through you. You don't need a title. You don't need to be on the stage. You don't need to have an extensive education. Can you imagine if we serve with the faith that God is the power behind everything, behind any effectiveness. We serve knowing that God is going to be the power to do any effectiveness in what we do. God's pretty powerful. We may not be, but God is. Imagine if we serve with the confidence that the one who created the universe will bring about his purposes through us. Imagine that. I don't care how old you are who's sitting in here or you're watching. God can do a work through you that's greater than you could ever imagine. Imagine if we approach our relationship with the faith, knowing that there's a reason we have a relationship with this person and that God can do amazing things beyond what we want to even do. You might meet somebody this school year that you didn't meet before, or maybe even more so that you didn't even like the previous year. But for some reason, you're in class with them a lot. Or you're in, you have a, I don't know if you're going to have lockers this year, but if you have a locker next to somebody, whatever it may be, imagine if you had the faith knowing there's some reason God has me be in contact or relationship or interaction with this person. Could God have a reason far more than I can imagine? What if we got our act together as a church? And we had such faith that we would honor each other knowing that, you know what? God is going to do a work in us that we can't even imagine. If we had such a faith that, you know what? God is going to use us as a church that we can't foresee, but we're going to be on board for it. Can you imagine what kind of witness we would be? Paul goes on, verse 17, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, 
beloved. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As Paul sums up this chapter. As I mentioned last week, all eyes are watching us. People watch us. Especially if they know you go to church. You're a believer. You're a Christian. I have to admit, when we, get, when we have our cars, I didn't want to put a fish on our back of our car. You know, a little fish or a bumper sticker that says, you know, I don't know, any catchphrase of being a Christian. You know why I didn't want to? I don't trust myself. <laughs> I know how I drive. And if they see how I drive and they look at the fish, I'm like, ah, those Christians don't even know how to drive. <laughs> All eyes are watching. But if we can have that heart, that mindset, that God, you know, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice. I want you to change the way I think. Affect how we treat others. Affect how I show love towards others. Affect how I want to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. Affect how I want to shine, how I want to be seen by others. Imagine what God can do. Imagine what kind of witness we can be. You know, it's easy to look on the unbelievers and say, you know what, oh man, those unbelievers, they're so lost. They're so evil. Is that how our attitude ought to be? Paul's like, no, 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 look. Don't let your salvation, don't let your faith be a cause to look down on others. Be careful. Because the sin that you, they get caught up in, we're prone to the same things. Right? As Christians, as believers, we're still prone to temptation. We're still prone to going to the same things. We don't have to elevate ourselves. We don't have to think ourselves better. In fact, it's better to be humble. It's better to give them the truth. Let people know, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm, I, I'm a believer, but you look, man, I struggle. I struggle with the same things. Maybe you can help me not struggle. Right? Let that be the witness. I want to conclude with this thought as we kind of look at the things. Get to the last slide, if it's there. Those five points. Something I want us to think about and marinate over. One of the things I want us as a church to be. I hope that we could be contagiously, we could contagiously love God. You know what I mean by that? Do you know somebody who just they just exude love for God, that it just feels contagious, that they're excited for God and it just gets you excited about being excited for God. I don't know if you know anybody like that. But I'd love for us to have a love for God that's contagious, that people can walk through the doors and they may not be able to explain it, not be able to realize it, but they can see people who just love God. They're not caught up in themselves, but they're caught up in the Savior. They love Jesus. I hope that we can be hungry for his word. How many of us are hungry right now, physically? I'm kind of hungry right now. You can't hear it, but my stomach's growling. But I hope that we can be hungry for God's word. 
that we could be like, man, I haven't read my Bible in so long. I need his word. We want to challenge it. I want to feed you God's word. That's my responsibility. I need to feed you God's word. But it's not just about eating out. You have to eat at home too, right? I want you guys to feel like, you know what? I may not know everything about God's word, but I need to eat, and I need to eat at home. That you have that growing desire to hear God's word. You're excited. I don't know how much time I have. I have a little bit of time. One more second. College Bible I went In college, Jamie and I got involved in a church in college age. We got plugged into college Bible study. Just our peers, just college age students, got together in someone's house. We had a Bible study. That time, period of time, was so special because everybody there wanted to study God's Word. They came for Bible study. And you left feeling, if it wasn't, if you didn't have Bible study, it didn't feel complete at college age. And since then, truthfully, I don't know if I've been in an environment that had that kind of desire, especially at that age. But if we could be a congregation that desires God's word, you hunger for it, just like you hunger for food. Third thing, be a safe community for healing and growth. I want this church, look, I want us to to grow in the Lord. I want us to strive to be holy before God. But I want people to feel safe coming here. Safe knowing that, you know what? I may not have my act together. I don't have all my faith lined up. I'm not sure. I wrestle and struggle with my faith in God. Or I'm doing things I know I shouldn't be doing. I pray that this is a place that's safe, that for people could come and wrestle with that. I want people who are here, who are wrestling with faith, have questions, and prayerfully they're willing to find those answers. They don't have to fear being judged by Christians. We're going to urge them and encourage them, tell them truth. We're not going to back down from that, but that you're safe. If you're struggling in your faith, you're struggling to know God, you don't have all these things, this is the place to be. Train you for service. I want to equip you so that whether it's Sunday, Friday, anywhere in between, that you feel like a little bit more prepared to go about in your life, to affect people for others. And lastly, I'll close with this, shining presence that stands out. A holy sacrifice set apart for God that, gosh, man, someone, people around us see a difference. They see a difference. And we point it to the Lord. I'll end with this. I mentioned, I started off showing you a picture of the puzzle and there was a piece missing. You know, we're going to add pieces to the puzzle, our puzzle. And in my mind, there will always be missing pieces. It will never be fully complete. Because we want always pieces coming in. I'll share the story. I'm going to embarrass my daughter. I'm sorry. I shared this before, I think. 
Jamie and I, our family, we thought we were a complete, a complete family of four. We thought, all right, we have our two kids, son, daughter, years passed, we're a complete family. Little did we know what we were missing. Little did we know our complete family was not complete. What we were missing was Michaela, who came into our family and showed us exactly what we were missing. And now we feel complete. Unless God surprises us with a dog, (laughs) which may happen. But you see, our church family, as we get put together, may we have that burden in our hearts that, you know what, it's not fully complete yet. And there's missing pieces out there. May they fit and be a part of what God is doing. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this chapter. I pray, Lord, that this is an encouragement, an exhortation. I pray, Lord God, not only for our church, but in our own lives. Help us, Lord God, to have this burden, to offer ourselves up as sacrifice to you. Say, Lord, may I be an instrument for you. Help me in my relationship with others. Help me in my service. Help me be a witness to those around us. May you work, Lord God. Use us as a church, we pray. As vessels for you. In Jesus' name.